These are the tribulations of Paulette. No question about it, this has been one long day. The anticipation that I initially felt for this Stones concert is displaced by frustration after the plodding ride to Gillette Stadium. We finally reached the VIP parking lot, and I feel exuberant again. We are six moms masquerading as groupies, caked in lipstick, eyeliner, self-tanner, and accessorized in black leather. Just don't turn a bright light on us. We're about to waltz backstage to press palms and who knows what else with the ultimate rock stars from our generation, which, all things considered, is not too shabby. Standing on the seats, we emerge through the open sunroof. Around us, prairie dog-like heads poke out of the tops of the snaking flotilla of limos, all awaiting clearance at the first VIP checkpoint. Directly in front of us is another group of middle-aged women doing the exact same thing. They sing, well, we all need someone we can bleed on at full throttle. Dolly and I retreat to our seats to contemplate the scene. We acknowledge that it could go either way. At checkpoint number one, Salil, our driver, lowers the glass that separates us to ask Biscuit for her parking pass. Biscuit passes Salil her ticket. No, you need a pass, Salil says. Just the ticket is no good. What are you talking about, Biscuit demands from the sunroof when the ticket is shown and summarily rejected by the parking attendant. Anyone can see that we're VIPs. We're in the bloody third row. We're guest of the band. The attendant remains unimpressed with our seats and Biscuit and her pals heckle him from their perch. Poor Salil now has to make a 17-point turn in order to back us up as impatient honking begins behind us. It's getting ugly outside the car as Biscuit and her friends exchange insults with the other heads in line. Everyone's yelling at us to get out of the way, but the moms from Cambridge do us proud. F you, they jeer back and clink their champagne flutes. Salil decides to drop us right at the front entrance. I check my watch. It's getting close to showtime. After another 15-minute delay, we arrive at the front of the glowing stadium. We enter through its gaping mouth. It is loud, 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 and we realize that most of the 65,000 concertgoers are already in their seats. The mood is anxious, like they're in the Coliseum about to witness a kill. Again, I feel a small rush of anticipation. Denied VIP parking, but so what? We're headed back backstage. We stride up the center aisle, arms entwined, emboldened by reefer and booze. This crowd is an exponential version of what I saw earlier today at my friend Steve's wake. If you didn't know what was about to happen, you'd assume it was something to do with NASCAR. The stadium lights make everyone's face chartreuse. Where the hell did all these people come from? Advanced age has tossed youthful tolerance right out the window. As we reach the security checkpoint at the side of the stage, Biscuit presents our passes. The crowd noise is so deafening that I can't hear what's transpired, but there's a lot of gesturing toward the rear of the arena. Towering over the security guard, Biscuit continues her emphatic gesticulations to no avail. I don't get it. Are we being kicked out? 
Is Mick's dressing room back there? Maybe there's a secret entrance. The guard waves us off and opens the gate for the apparently legitimate groupie couple behind us. We gather around Biscuit as she shouts, The Coors Light Cougar Lounge is back there, and points to where we came in. Back we go down the center aisle, a walk of shame. Biscuit strides up to a black door, where orange-clad Gillette Stadium employees are removing a large banner that says Coors Light Cougar Lounge. She presents our passes to them. Cougar Lounge all over, one shouts back in heavily accented English. You're way too late for Cougar Lounge. Strike three. As we gather to discuss this latest setback, the stadium lights go out and the crowd erupts. Dolly is whining that she has to go to the bathroom and wants a beer. Biscuit and the others shout that they're going to go find our seats. Dolly and I head up the nearest flight of steps toward the main concourse. We climb, to my estimation, 600 steps, my eyes all the while focused on Dolly's leather-clad rear end ahead of me, while the stones play their opener, Mother's Little Helper. Gasping for air, we arrive at the surprisingly empty concourse. We find the ladies' room and not a moment too soon because, lo and behold, here's my period again, the second one this month. Dolly passes me the necessary products under the door. Parched, we exit to find some liquid relief. At the first kiosk we approach, a Gillette Stadium employee is rolling up a Budweiser banner. Where can we get beer, we ask. No more beer here, comes the answer. We run to the next kiosk, just in time to see a Heineken sign being removed. No beer, we ask again. No, is the answer. When will you have beer again? Sunday afternoon at 1 is the reply, Patriots game. We learn from the employee that the stadium's beer license for the show was to expire as the curtain went up. You've got to love these people in Foxborough. Dolly starts to moan and rests her curly red head on the counter. We agree on a plan B, and moments later, we descend the 600 steps to our seats, gingerly carrying cardboard boxes filled with hot, black coffee. Blackballed from VIP parking, too late for even the cougar lounge, dreams of sinking into a leather chair and mixed dressing room now cast aside and rapidly drying out from the second buzz of the day, we find our seats to face the ancient pusses of the Rolling Stones just 20 or so yards in front of us. Upon seeing the band so close, my first thought is that this isn't really the actual Rolling Stones, but some comedy troupe send-off of the Stones. They are tiny, but large-featured, which makes them appear cartoonish, caricatures of the originals. The songs have album-quality sound, which is good, but it also means that it isn't all emanating from these Weezers. There's probably some Wizard of Oz behind a curtain, adding tracks and making the live mix. This is like Diet Coke. It's kind of good, but you wonder, what exactly is it? I turn to Dolly, and she's holding her nose. Back at you, Mick. You're not the only one with mixed emotions. Then, the piece de resistance. A motorized portion of the stage proceeds to shoot out into the audience like some futuristic umbilicus. The band, grouped at center, rides right by us singing Jumping Jack Flash. 
they continue to travel back to midfield. Now they're miles from us. Dolly and I sigh and sit down to finish our coffee. A guy in front of us yells, What's the matter with you? Turn around. You're missing the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah, we say. Did you ever think you'd turn your back on the guy who wrote Jumping Jack Flash while he was singing it, Dolly wonders? We yawn in unison. The text comes to Biscuit in the limo on our way home. It's her friend who set the whole thing up. She's the Stones' business manager. She's with the band, and they're already back in town. Do we want to join them at the Four Seasons for drinks and a late dinner in their suite? There is silence and disbelief in the car. It's not the right time to tell her what we've been through tonight, but one by one the answer is, nah, we don't smell nearly as good, and our lipstick is bleeding through the liner. I need to get to a bathroom again because I'm bleeding through another kind of liner altogether. Most of us have carpool in the morning. Thanks, but no thanks, boys. We've rolled up our banner. The cougars in this lounge are all done for the night. Listening to the excellent sounds of Mr. Eric Fontana. Sometimes you feel you're still so near. They both pass eventually, and I can't hardly stand. Tune in next time for a case of mistaken identity. Till then, ta ta. I don't have to justify the way I.